What's up, church planners, pastors, and disciple makers? My name is Jared Huntley, coming to you from Washington, D.C., and I'm with my good friend Logan Douglas, who's coming to you from Reykjavik, Iceland. You are listening to In the Trenches, a podcast by ordinary church planters that exists to encourage and equip other church planters and pastors to make disciples in hard places. Logan, what's going on, man? Not too much, my friend. Uh, just enjoying Icelandic winter. Um, my wife and I actually had this really awesome thing that we did today where um, we swapped out our summer tires for our winter tires. Ah, and so yeah. uh, she actually had, was a huge help and got her uh, hands dirty, changing some That's tires awesome. on our or on our Volkswagen, so it's uh, awesome. Yeah, it's yeah. I remember those, in full swing. I remember those days up in Canada, switching out the summer and winter tires. So that yeah, was a new thing girl, for me when we moved to Canada. I was like, "What? You have like separate tires depending on the seasons?" I didn't like. I I that was literally like blew my mind, and I was like, "What? This feels like just a ploy for like tire companies to make more money, but it actually is helpful. It works." No, yeah. Growing up in Mississippi, I, when someone talked about summer and winter tires, one, I was like, tires are so expensive. I think a lot of people, especially where I'm from, are just like waiting until they're almost seeing wires before they change them. So the idea of two sets of tires is like, whoa, yeah. two sets of tires. But um, we did not change them uh, in a timely manner. And so there was a fresh mm. snow on Thursday night. And uh, we were praying, dicey. especially hard. Yeah. Yeah. Just uh, there <laughs> was some moments where we were like, I mean, we're good with the Lord. Like yeah. we could go see Jesus right yeah. now. So we realized we needed to, uh, to swap Total, these out. Totally how it was for us, man. Because I remember we were like our first winter in Canada. People are like, oh, you need to get winter tires. We're like, we'll be fine. We don't need, we're not paying money for extra tires. Like y'all are just like, we're Texans. We've got this. <laughs> and then you're like, well, okay, this is pretty slick. This is not as easy as I thought it was going to be. So, um, but I've discovered uh, like they have all season tires that uh, I ended up switching over to that are kind of like a hybrid between summer and winter and actually ended up working out pretty well. And so I was able to make it through the last couple winters with all season tires. So that's what I, Very that's nice. what I ended up going with. Yeah. So anyways, I'm sure our listeners would be enthralled if we did an entire episode on, you know, tires and summer tires and winter tires and the pros and cons of using uh, each of those during different seasons. But that alas is not what this episode is about. What is this episode? about this episode is about equipping women for ministry in a complementarian church um, and I do before we dive in want to give our listeners a heads up uh, this is not going to be a shorter episode because we're afraid of going into too much depth on this topic this is going to be a shorter episode because we're trying to get closer to the 30 minute range on our episodes and so uh, you're gonna maybe notice that be kind of a trend with us uh, Lord willing if we're able to discipline ourselves and have the self-control needed to make that happen so uh, but yeah so we're going to just jump right into this topic, though. I think it's an important one because um, I so the reason that I think this specific title, I like the title of this episode, and I think it's a good topic is that there tends to be this conception of complementarianism uh, that I think a lot of outside observers have of complementarianism, that women should be that, that complementarians think that women should be passive while the men do all the ministry. Um, so Logan, I was kind of curious, man, have you seen this be true in your experience? Like, have you, have you seen that perception yourself in other people? Uh, why do you think it is that people kind of almost think that like complementarianism is anti women being involved in ministry? 
I absolutely not only have seen uh, and had conversations with people who have that perception, but I myself as a brand new Christian had that perception. Hmm. I remember, I mean, I came to faith as a 27 year old in 2013. And I remember having a conversation with uh, my now wife, but my then uh questionable what this was going to be, uh, friend Carla, um, where I just was like, yeah, you know, I know that the Bible says that there's like gender roles, but I don't know if I get on board with this whole male headship and leader and stuff thing. Um, I mean, I remember having that very early on and I think that my perception and most people's perception uh, of this are due to the abuses of this sort of um, relational paradigm that we believe is biblical, yeah. but we believe that, um, sadly, as as oftentimes happens, uh, very poor representations of it and perversions of it have existed that would give people that that type of um, negative reaction or feeling towards it. Do you do you agree with that? Yeah, I definitely do. In fact, I I think like I wrote down two things and I was thinking about this question. I think one that I think complementarianism itself is misunderstood. And two, I think that the role of pastor is misunderstood. And I think both of those things kind of contribute towards this issue. So like we uh, I looked uh, I was looking at our membership um, packet that we that we give to people. And uh, one of the things that are, you know, in our membership packet for our church is we uh, talk about how one of the, you know, uh, things that makes our church, you know, what it is, is uh, we're a complementarian church. So it's one of the distinct distinctives, we call it, uh, mm-hmm. of our church. And so we're complementarian, and we define that as God has created men and women equal in their essential dignity and human personhood, but different and complementary in function with male headship in the home and in the church. And it's funny because I, I'm actually preparing tonight for a, a, a leadership cohort that we have with a bunch of uh, guys and girls in our church who are in some sense, you know, I have either potential to be in ministry or, or, or sensing a call to ministry. And we're working through Grudem systematic theology. And tonight we're covering the chapter on, uh, you know, male and uh, uh, male and female and gender roles and gender distinctions and things like that. And Grudem talks about how, you know, one of the ways that we image God as the Holy Trinity is, you know, that God created human beings, male and female in his image. And so there is this, you know, sense in which like uh, when, you know, we say that uh, men and women are different, they're, you know, equal in um, dignity and personhood, but different and complementary in function. Uh, it's the same way within the the Holy Trinity, right? Like, like the Father and the Son are equal, obviously, and each equal in glory and worth and worthy of worship. And yet the Son, Jesus said, I, I always do what I see the Father doing. He was submissive to the Father. It doesn't mean that he was lesser than the Father. It doesn't mean mm-hmm. that Jesus was somehow subservient to the Father, less glorious, less worthy of worship. Uh, it's the, uh, you know, each person of the Trinity like, plays a role, right? And so that's not a perfect analogy, I don't think, but it does kind of give an image, a picture of what, you know, the the distinction between gender roles. And so I think that's that's one of the first things we, you know, need to understand is that while there are different roles that men and women play in the church, uh, every single role is equally valuable and equal in dignity. 
Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, and in most conversations that I have, so I live in a very progressive country. Um, I'm sure Iceland is, loves complimentarianism. Oh, uh, <laughs> not as so much funny. as Washington DC does. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, it is the feminism rules the day. Any expression of masculinity, whether that is healthy or, um, you know, if it is healthy, is viewed in a toxic masculinity lens or labeled as toxic masculinity. But isn't the strongest so man you, in the world from Iceland? Uh, he is. He, yeah. So, uh, the, the mountain. Yeah. So. Right. So uh, I kind of feel like mixed well, signals here, Iceland. I know. Um, <laughs> it, Sorry. It, it, I could dive down this rabbit hole. No, no. We'll, um, we'll, uh... You know, in, in society at large. So the fitness, it's really weird. The fit, you know, Iceland doesn't have a standing military, but it does have like a SWAT team. And so when you meet uh, men in those type of roles and, and in the fitness arena, you see where masculinity is not attacked in such a way with competitiveness and fitness and strength. But in the culture at large, that is not encouraged. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I have conversations about complementarity and why we believe this, um, the, the way in which I try to help people understand this um, is to address, and I mean, I feel like in, in your context in D.C., in my context in Iceland, and in every context, this is one of the things that we could do better, which is mm -hmm. trying to figure out why are, you, why are we so strongly reactive to the other person's position, and do we actually understand the other person's position? Yeah. So when you, when you hear of someone who's so egalitarian and very much against complementarity, um, why? It's probably because it's they've they've seen it done so poorly. Women have been uh, diminished. Their roles have been diminished. Men have ruled in a way that was not loving, was not selfless and these things. And so um, the clearest way I've always seen to try and address it, similar to the Trinity is also. And if this is in your notes, uh, you can stop me, but has to go to Ephesians five. Yeah. Like, I just clearly always go to this idea that the roles that men and women play in the complementary or complementarity uh, kind of function or, or relational dynamic, I believe has always um, been a shadow, like much of redemptive history with especially the Old Testament, that was always going to point to something bigger than itself. Mm -hmm. And what we see in Ephesians 5 is Paul revealing, and he'd already revealed it or talked about this revelation of this mystery in Ephesians 3, which was the church, no. that Christ is the head of the church and that his church, his people are his bride. And we see that this mystery is seen in marriage. Mm -hmm. And so the husband is the head of the wife and the wife lovingly respects and submits to the husband uh, selfless sacrificial rule mm -hmm. in a way that points to Christ. So when I'm talking to people about this, I always talk about this little drama yep. that husbands and wives are participants in a cosmic play mm -hmm. or a drama where the husband is playing Christ and the wife is playing the church. And when that's done rightly, it's mutually beneficial and it's beautiful. The husbands are to care and love for their wives in such a way that leads to spiritual flourishing 
to sanctification and it's loving them like Jesus and Jesus laid his life down. So it's not abusive. It's not oppressive. It's not strong. It's, it's sacrificial. And what, what wife would not want to submit to a husband who is not ruling and lording over her, but is caring for her and considers her own flourishing better than his own life. Yeah. I mean, that would be the type of husband a woman would gladly submit to, similar to, you know, employees gladly submit to the authority of a, an employer or a manager or a boss or a supervisor who is 100% for them, right. you know, is, is advocating for them, wants them to have time off, wants them to go get trained up, wants them to get promoted, wants them to succeed. That person gladly does what the other person might tell them to do. Um, and I'm not saying that husbands should tell wives to do, but what I'm saying is that relational dynamic it it's a it's all laced with love and respect and honor and dignity, and we see this in Christ's love of His church and His church's submission to Him. And so, when we don't talk about it in terms of triune love and submission and Christ and His church, we divorce it from biblical theology. We, we divorce it from these images in Scripture we're supposed to have, and then it just becomes. Well, Paul was a sexist or, well, the first century women were property. And I've had so many conversations with people saying, like, if you only knew the context of the first century and the fact that Jesus was his empty tomb was discovered by women, Jesus's ministry was funded by women. The fact that Paul in Galatians says that we're all sons, whether male or female, slave or free, Greek or uh, Jew. It's like there's some scandalous stuff in the New Testament that's very pro-women. Um, we've just had some really bad examples of men doing really bad jobs, loving and leading in their family and sure. really bad jobs of pastors um, opening up roles for women to uh, grow in their own faith and serve other women's and serve the church and right. exercise their gifts. Well, and again, it's because we were, you know, we can't, you know, look at the differences between men and women as, as a, uh, as a difference between in degree of, you know, dignity or value or, or worth rather it's a, a difference in role. And like you said, those relationships, whether it's the husband and wife relationship or whether it's the pastor and, uh, this, you know, the, the church member relationship, all those relationships are meant to, uh, image or picture something, a greater reality than itself, right? Those relationships are not an end in and of themselves. Uh, um, you know, Paul, so specifically when it comes to like roles, you know, of the role of men and the role of women within the church, um, you know, scripture teaches that faithful men serve as the shepherds or the elders of the church. So elders are tasked with shepherding and teaching, but that's just one of the many roles within the church. There are lots of different roles. There's not one role that's more vital than another. Uh, there's not one role that's more important than the other. You know, Paul says in First Corinthians 12 that, you know, all gifts are given by the same spirit, right? Um, and we're all members of the same body uh, and we're each related to one another. Um, and so I, I think that I think that not only is complementarianism, complementarianism misunderstood, but I think that the role of pastor is misunderstood as well. Um, and here's why I think this matters to this discussion. Um, if you think that pastors are the one are the ones who do all of the ministry, 
then I can see how you might think it's unfair that the role of pastor is reserved for men. If in your view, the pastor or pastors are the most important or the person teaching from the pulpit are the most important and that they're the ones that do the work of ministry. Ministry belongs to the clergy. In other words, if that's your view, then yes, I can see why there might be confusion because the reality is, is that ministry does not belong to only those who are tasked to be elders. Ministry does not only belong to men. It does not only belong to those who teach and preach from the pulpit. In fact, the role of pastors is to equip the saints for the work of ministry, like Ephesians 4 says. So, uh, you know, like scripture, like scripture is filled with with women serving in various roles in gospel ministry. I, I uh, thought about Philippians chapter four, verses two and three, where Paul is writing and he says, I entreat Yodia and Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are written in the book of life. So Paul saw these women, Yodia and Syntyche, too, as, as fellow workers, as fellow laborers. He says, they have been laboring with me side by side in the gospel. Like, so, and this is the same apostle Paul who said that man is the head of the wife, wife just as Christ is the head of the church. So clearly we can see, and, under, and this is the same Paul who said that the role of elders reserved for men. But what we can see from passages like Philippians 4, 2, and 3 is that what Paul did not mean is that ministry should only be done by men or that men are more important than women or that women don't have a, a vital, important, huge role to play within the church. Uh, and so, you know, I think we're, I think, you know, we could keep talking about this and, and diving deeper into the, you know, the, the theology behind this, but I don't want to belabor the point. There's, there's probably other podcasts who can do a, who, who can do a much better job of talking about this, but I think, well, there is one thing I wanted to, I wanted to mention. Sure. Like I, I kind of advocated for this opening, uh, or this openness to have a discussion. So when you talk to egalitarians, mm-hmm. um, or you talk to people who are maybe very open or what might be called soft complementarians, mm-hmm. um, you know, and most of them would would argue from points of seeing complementarianism done poorly, mm-hmm. women being suppressed or are prevented from exercising their gifts and things like this, and you know, I feel like we need to be open to those conversations, sure. but also. We need to be able to listen to people who might be taking a very firm stance on complementarianism. Uh, you know, there are good, godly people who are trying to understand how to lead churches for the maturation of the faith of the saints and for seeing other people come to Christ. And a defensive posture exist in a lot of Western churches right now, mm-hmm. good Bible-believing churches, yep. because of the ever-present threat of uh, liberalism, yeah. of yeah, I agree. A progressive Christianity. Sure. And so you might have people who want to enter into this conversation but are really afraid of doing it too quick, being not discerning, not... Um, wise about this mm-hmm. because 
to give an inch, they might feel you give a mile. Like if you mm-hmm. give the f- a foothold, the next thing you know. And I, I've been a part of those conversations where I've literally had people say, you know, it starts today with a woman reading scripture on a Sunday. And then the next and thing you know, that's inevitably going to lead to her preaching the pulpit. Yeah. 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 yeah the yeah, next yeah, thing sure. you know, she's going to be preaching. Yeah. Well, and, and this is- I get that there's this. And, and, and I'm just saying, like, we just need to be able to have those conversations. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, and, and we need to be able to go to scripture. And um, this is where hermeneutics are so important. I mean, I've had conversations about, you know, well, Paul said that women can't speak in worship. And I'm like, I feel like you need to read more into this. And, and what we know, so this is where biblical theology is important and systematic theology is important. What we see this. So Philippians 4, we see these two women were co-laborers. Sure. You know, Paul commends Timothy's mother and grandmother. You know, Apollos is corrected by a man and woman in uh, an error that he had on baptism. Like we, again, the prominence of women in Jesus's own ministry. Yeah. So what we can't say is that women are just to not do anything. Right. Yeah. So, I, well, the the pendulum gets swung uh, to one too far, one in one direction or the other, and I think you know, either, like what you're saying is that either the difference in roles gets passed over, which would be you know theological liberalism, or other churches are so afraid to be seen as compromising that they ignore the impetus to equip women and they do a poor job. They either uh, are afraid to, or they don't even try, or they, you know, end up taking up positions where, you know, they, you know, a lot like the the Pharisees did, they end up basically adding on to the law of Moses, you know, cause they're like, we don't even want to get close to it. So we're going to start adding all these, you know, regulations. And so, yeah, I definitely think that that's an issue. And I think that we've got to, you know, a sound biblical theology can help us, you know, strike the right balance here. Um, I think we need to do a good job of training and equipping women to disciple, uh, to make disciples. Uh, and I think honestly that starts by like, you know, train, train and equip women to disciple other women in the same way that you equip men, you know, like it's no different. Like we're all called to make disciples, and uh, you, we need to have the same expectations for the female members of our church as we do for the men. Um, you know, women are ambassadors for Christ in their workplaces, in their neighborhoods, in their family. So are they being equipped to share the gospel? Are they being equipped to make disciples? Um, you know, we've got a missional leadership cohort uh, at our, our church where we invite in people who are uh, you know, either we see potential in to be in ministry or to be a missionary or part of a church planting team. And also, you know, people who have, you know, they expressed a desire to want to be trained up for ministry. And we've opened that up to women. And that was something that initially uh, I it was a, a male only cohort. And I started and I started thinking about it. And I was like, you know what, like, uh, the, the the reason I had a, a debate in my, my mind about it was because one of the things we do is we, we teach expositional preaching and teaching. And, and, uh, so there was some debate internally for me over, well, do I open this up to women? Because obviously we're complementarian and we don't have, we don't put women in the pulpit, but, uh, the more I thought about it, the more I realized, well, you know, there are plenty of women out there who are gifted to teach. And that doesn't mean that they're going to, you know, teach in an authoritative role, uh, men in our church, but women do teach other women. They do teach children. Uh, they do teach in discipleship contexts. And so, you know, I, I realized like, well, there's nothing wrong with women learning how to, you know, 
teach the Bible expositionally. And uh, we have women in our church who are, you know, have a desire to go to the nations and go, uh, you know, be missionaries overseas. And so we want to invest in those women and send them out uh, just like we would send any other missionary out. Um, And so I think just having something intentional like that, because I just don't think a lot of churches have pathways for women and, Like there's no, so there's really, there's nothing for women to be invited into where they can be specifically trained and equipped and built up like that. And so a lot of women I think are, you know, frustrated. And and I think a lot of our gifted women oftentimes will, I think, leave complementarian churches and end up going to churches that unfortunately are, you know, maybe more liberal in their leaning because... Mm -hmm nobody's investing in them in the church where they were at. Uh, and I'm not saying it's all, you know, our fault or something like that. I'm not saying that, you know, obviously like, you know, that would still be, if you're a, a woman in a, you know, a church where you're not being invested in, don't just like leave so that you can go to, a, you know, a more liberal leaning church. Cause they're going to let you preach, like find a good solid, you know, biblical church where they're going to invest into you, but they're going to continue to, um, you know, uh, interpret the scriptures well. But anyways, yeah. yeah, I think I think we just need to be intentional about it, man. Create pathways for women in our churches to step up in leadership. No, I completely agree. I mean, I to date have had four interns. So I had three when I was a young adult pastor and I have had one here in Iceland. Three out of four of them were women. Yeah. Um and uh <laughs> it's kind of it's funny because uh, the the one guy was the only one who it was categorized as a pastoral internship, or at least he he aspired to be a pastor, uh, and so there were difference differences in the types of books we were reading and the types of things that I was trying to invest in him, um, and uh, he ended up not finishing well. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he, uh, to my knowledge, left the faith, mm. um, had yeah. a moral failure. Um, and I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not saying, well, this is what happens to men. What I am saying <laughs> is, um, had I only had my eyes open as a man, as a pastor to other men, I would have missed out on some really amazing young women that I could have invested in and my wife has invested in, in these, in these ministerial leadership types of roles. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of my previous interns is now an intern at a much larger church in Canada yeah. and has sent me a Bible study that she is asking me to review that she'll give, uh, as a part of her internship. And, you know, she's continuing her, um, her process of trying to, um, uh, you know, her process of trying to um, be better equipped. Uh, we just had dinner with our current intern and she is leading a campus ministry here in Iceland. She's leading a book group that even has some Germans yeah. uh, in Germany involved. And I mean, she won't, she feels called to the nations. And so, I mean, here I see a, a, a ministry leader in training right. in a previous intern in Canada and here in Iceland, a ministry, a, a future missionary That's right. and these two young women. She's already that been a missionary, not, man. Huh? She's already been a missionary. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's like, had I not been intentional and had our church not been intentional about trying to do that, um, to invest in them, to equip them, I mean, 
we're leaving out half of our, we pray for laborers, right? But like, if we are not equipping women, then we're literally like, we're ignoring half of our labor force for the gospel, right? Like, that's crazy to me. Like, and I, some of our most faithful gospel laborers are in our church are women. Uh, Another role, by the way, and I want to do a separate episode on this, but uh, you know, there are differences of opinions probably in our camp on this, but we have female deacons. Um, And whether- Or well, we have the spot. Yeah. And whether you want to, whether you want to give women the title deacon or not, I can pretty much guarantee you that even if you're a church that believes that women shouldn't be deacons, you have women who are serving in deacon roles. You're just not calling them deacons. So <laughs> that then, which is my it, argument for why women should be deacons. But well, and it's um, also one of those things again, like if, and we could have another entire part two of this yeah. one day, maybe, but it has to do with how do we understand the role of the pastor, the elder? And how do we understand deacons? Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like if you have a gut reaction to women being deacons, well, you probably come from a church background where deacons were functional elders. Yeah, exactly. They just were called deacons. That's right. And so if you've been around deacons who make decisions and lead, then yeah, because your deacons are really elders. Right. But we're talking about servant leaders within right. the church people who, who do help not le- have people who help hmm? ministries right like they're yes who are helping to facilitate ministry in the church yeah and we've got women in very critical areas uh you know helping to facilitate critical ministries at pillar dc and uh man yeah we could talk about this a lot longer but we are trying to stay disciplined and self-controlled man so so far so good hey we want to thank you our listeners for tuning into this week's episode of in the trenches uh we hope that you're enjoying it if it's been a blessing to you then we would be really honored if you would do us a huge favor and subscribe to the podcast whether you're listening on itunes or spotify or google play uh subscribe and then the other thing that you can do that can really help us out is if you leave a review so leave a five-star rating only five-star ratings not anything less than that if you want to leave less than that don't bother but if you want to leave a rating leave a five-star rating and then leave a written review talking about what you enjoy about the podcast and that will help increase the exposure of in the trenches so that it gets in the hands of more listeners you can always head over to our website www.getinthetrenches.com and find links to all of our other episodes Uh, we've got blog posts coming out uh, at least once a week so lots of content on there make sure you go and check it out we're going to be back next monday with another episode of in the trenches so until then go out there and get in those trenches church planters